Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Give us 15 minutes or less and you'll miss out on 30 minutes of some really good shit in this show. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast dedicated to all of us pipe-smoking enthusiasts around the world. I am your host, Brian Levine, and as you're listening to this show right now, I am about two hours away from touching down in Charlotte, getting back home after a very long week for the IPCPR in Las Vegas. I'm going to touch on the IPCPR a little bit later in the show, but in tonight's show, in Pipe Parts. All right, I did some studying, did some homework. I'm going to talk about how to break in a pipe, did a couple of different methods, and see how that works out. Maybe you'll pick up some advice in there somewhere. Who knows? Might be educational. Might be. My guest is Marcus Minetos. Marcus is from Greece. Recorded the interview a couple of weeks ago, very late at night, so that we could hit the time change just right. Marcus's family has been in the briar cutting business for years. They make pipes. Going to learn a lot from him. I learned a lot just talking to him. And this is episode number 44 of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And the reason I say that is so that I keep track of what I'm doing, because it's all pre-recorded, like I said last week. I'm uh, in Vegas for the IPCPR. Uh, talking about Vegas, I'll uh, hit on that a little bit in the mailbag. Got a rant at the end. And music specifically inspired from uh, some of my favorite things to do in Vegas. So we'll touch on that. Let me tell you, I know that uh, I'll be excited to get back next week and uh, get back to doing the regularly scheduled thing and be back to sleeping at home because every time I do this show and I'm in Vegas for seven days, it's kind of strange being in a hotel and you've had housekeeping take a weekend off and you're still there. But uh, anyway... Next week, back to live shows on uh, Thursday the 25th. We'll be back to our regular live shows. So, all right, everybody, grab your pipe, sit back, relax. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Fire up a bowl. Here we go. This is Internet Radio. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. Does anything beat relaxing on the patio or playing 18 holes with a fine cigar during the summertime? Kathy of Cup of Joe's has the place for you. Queensberry Cigar and Pipe. Enjoy their cigar lounge with three large screen TVs or a patio to soak in the rays. You have to check out their beautiful cedar-lined walk-in humidor and their huge selection of pipes to choose from. They even have fast delivery for those of you that are out of the area. Queensberry Cigar and Pipe, Route 9 Queensberry. On Facebook under Cup of Joe's Cigars and Pipes and the web at cupojoes.com. Welcome back. All right, let's get right into pipe parts because there's a lot to talk about here on how I break in a bowl or break in a pipe. I have two standard methods that I do 
personally, and then Greg Pease taught me a third one. So here's my two. If it's a factory-made pipe, something that a big brand, what I do is I take that pipe and I smoke the pipe as hot as possible for five minutes, tamp it, set it down, let it cool down. Go back through and do that again. Five minutes, smoke it as hot as possible. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find out if there's going to be any problems in the pipe, maybe smoke out any factory dust or any leftover residues on it. So I might do that for two bowls. Smoke it as hot as I can for five minutes, tamp it, set it down, leave it there for an hour or so, come back to it, tamp it, light it for five minutes. It gets a real good, real even cake started or charred through there. It's also a way to test the pipe to see if there's going to be any problems with it. Now, if I'm buying an artisan pipe or something that's a little more, uh, uh, that I think the, the artisan took a little bit more time with, may not, may not be as uh, gentle on the return policy per se, I will smoke the pipe slowly for about two or three bowls. And what I mean by smoking it slowly, I mean by sipping on it slowly, consistently, not letting the pipe get heated up, but try to smoke it all the way down for the first two or three bowls. Keep cleaning the shank. I don't I don't wipe out the interior of the bowl because I want to get some cake built up in there. Now, here's what Greg suggested to me. Greg said what he does in order to build the cake, he builds it from the bottom to the top. He takes the first 10 bowls of the pipe and smokes only the bottom third of the bowl. Only the bottom third of the bowl. So the first thing I found was that was a little weird to try to figure out how to pack just the bottom third of the bowl. But once I figured it out, I smoked the pipe for 10 times. Then I went up to the next two-thirds and smoked that two-thirds another 10 times. Each time in between, letting the pipe rest for at least half a day, sometimes maybe a day or two. What I found annoying was trying to keep notes on how many bowls I'd done on what. But anyway, I kept a little card with it to keep track of it. Then for the next 10 bowls, Greg packs the pipe the way he normally does, smokes it all, you know, fills it all the way to the top, smokes that for 10 bowls straight down, all the way down to the bottom all the time. And what he says, it builds up a cake at the bottom first because now the bottom's got 30 bowls through it. So what I did was I took two pipes that are almost identical. They're two of the big bins that we just launched at the IPCPR. Smoked them, smoked one my way, and smoked one Greg's way. Smoked them almost identical in time. The one I broke in my way, I smoked it a little bit less because I'd smoke it for a day, you know, smoke it once during the day, set it down three, four days later, come back to it. The pipe I was using Greg's method with, I smoked it every day for about, well, most of 35 days using his method. Now that I've got both pipes sitting here in front of me, what I do notice is that, yes, there is a little bit more cake down on the bottom of the bowl of Greg's pipe, but not a significantly larger amount than what I thought would be there because of 30 bowls on the bottom and only 10 bowls up on top. What I found out, and then if you look at the pipe that I broke in my way with about 18 bowls through it, yes, it does have more of a cake up on top, but it fits my style of smoking for some reason. 
Is it the engineering in the pipe that changed the difference of it? I don't know. I found that Greg's method may work for Greg. It didn't quite work out for me. It did start that cake at the bottom of the bowl, but again, the cake up towards the top seems to be building a whole lot faster, and maybe it's just my lighting style that I get that speed bump going up at the top. So, anyway, I may play around next time and try it again with a different way of packing the pipe on the bottom third of the bowl. I think I packed it a little too tight down there to try to get a good firm cake down there. So maybe I'll try packing it a little looser. The next pipe that I'm going to do, though, I am going to try just the bottom half of the bowl for the first 10 bowls and then fill up the top of the pipe. Now, I want to go back and touch on my original method for breaking in a factory pipe and just suggest this to you. Since most pipe companies have a return policy if you find a defect or if there's a problem with the pipe within like the first 90 days or a year or something like that, keep the receipt from where you bought the pipe. Break it If you break it in my way and you get that pipe as hot as possible, you're going to find out if there is any burnouts or any problems that are going to happen. Give it three, four, five bowls. See if it's going to work for you. If you start to get a burnout, you'll notice pretty quick because you've gotten that pipe as absolutely hot as possible. So, there it is. Different ways to break in a pipe. I went back to my old method right away with the uh, with the little GBD that I bought in uh, Kansas City and puffing away on it, and it's doing just fine. Even though it's an estate pipe, there still is a little bit of a break in meth, a uh, little bit of a break in time because. The pipe had been reamed and cleaned and was in very good condition, but you still have to break in an estate pipe a little bit. So, all right, there you go. In just a minute, Marcus Minetos. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliftTobacco.com. Go to SutliftTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show by far the most distant guest we've ever had on the show, Coming to us from Greece is Marcus Minetos of the Amadeus Pipe Company and Briar Factory. Marcus, welcome. Thank you very much, Brian. It's good to be on the show. Thank you. Uh, tell us, where exactly in Greece are you? Well, I'm located in Patras. Patras is a small city 
by the south-southwest coast of Greece. Uh, it has a population of approximately 300,000 people. And it is the main port that connects Greece to Italy, to Ancona, Brindisi, Bari, and Venice. So you're, it's a very Mediterranean, coastal, warm weather, beautiful seas? Warm weather, beautiful sea, orange trees, it's... olive trees, and very close to Briar Forest. Now, now tell us, did you, did you grow up there? And how does how does one get into the into the briar business? Oh, that's a long story. We have time well, for you. Oh, thank you. Well, the briar business in Greece started uh, before Second World War. Actually, it started from Italians who owned pipe companies, not briar mills in Italy, the pipe companies, and they needed a bigger supply of raw material, you know, during the golden era of uh, pipe smoking and pipe making. So they decided that uh, Italian production was not enough, or French production of briar was not enough, and they wanted to start something else in Greece. So they came here, they started teaching and training people who lived in small villages inside or around prior growing areas, and that's maybe 100 miles away from me to the north. And soon after, they started teaching with friends as trainers, uh, people how to start cutting wood. They also needed to start having sawmills in Greece. Well, in one of those sawmills, my grandfather from my father's side started working. One thing led to the other. My grandfather taught my father, because uh, this was back at the time a very profitable business, both both for those who had the factory, but also those who were working at the factory as trained and skilled employees, and they get the business closed. Father to son, uh, uncle to nephew, this sort of thing. So my grandfather taught my father and my uncle, my father's brother, and they taught me. And actually, they're still trying to teach me. <laughs> it's a family business, and the and the father is always right. Uh, well, it is a family business, um, and yeah, the father is always right. <laughs> Especially if it is a Greek father, you cannot go against him. So the the briar that is there's still briar being harvested today in Greece. Was I? I seem to remember a lot of Grecian briar being very popular in uh, in Danish pipes from the fifties, sixties, and seventies. That is correct. Uh, Denmark in the fifties, sixties, and seventies used to be our biggest market. 
the only difference is that at the time when my father and my grandfather were still working for someone else, they hadn't started their own business yet, uh, there was an Austrian-Italian merchant who would buy all the wood, all briar blocks from Greek sawmills, from Greek briar mills, and sell it to the Danish or the Italians or the French. His name was Otto Brown. Actually, he was the one who set the international measurement standards for briar blocks. Because if we set aside the plateau pieces, which are kind of free form and outside international standard measurement pieces, all rest pieces that go for factory production for inexpensive pipes have some minimum standards in order to be called into their numbers. So he was the one who set these international standards. But he did very well, but also he kept us, the, the Greek briar mills, I mean, away from the markets and kept the and kept making money in between oh yes oh that, that's for sure i mean Denmark was big back then and remained to be a big client of greek briar mills until 2005 2006 wow now just give give us the basics we all know that briar is the primary wood used for most smoking pipes now. Mm-hmm. Well, it, the briar is the root of the heath bush, correct? Yes, that is correct. What we in the pipe business use is the root, is a kind of an anchor that the plant is using in order to maintain itself standing in forests that are not so, let's say, hospitable for plants, forests that are uh, windy, with lots of rain, with with snow, with anyway harsh conditions for the plant. Now, uh, when they harvest the, the burl, does that kill the entire plant? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It kills the entire plant, but at the same time, since we harvest the wood during flourishing season and seeding season, when we hack away the, the log, what's above this barrel that we use, at the same time, we help spreading the seeds, so rejuvenating the, the forest, the briar forest. Also, we do not use any machines when uh, harvesting the wood from the forest. We pick individual plants out of the forest, not go inside with heavy machines and clean everything out. How old would a uh, would a plant be before you would use it? Oh, I would say at least 30 years old in order to be worth the effort and the expenses. And it, it's not a very easy job wandering out there looking for the larger plants. No, 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 because uh, briar forests are very dense. They are not the kind of a forest that you go inside and have a long walk or a hike with your friends. 
<laughs> they are very dense. Uh, sometimes they are not even leveled. You have to walk down the, the side of a mountain to be able to walk. And you have to work very special clothes, you know, with hard denim in order to keep your clothes intact and not have uh, pieces left, you know, here and there. <laughs> now, is is there a shortage of briar or is... We, we here in the United States hear about there's a shortage of materials or we can't get enough briar. Is it a shortage of materials or is it a shortage of the proper materials or is a short or is it a shortage of people willing to do the hard work uh, I would say the third shortage of people willing to do the hard work in this at least and you know talking to other good cutters like Mimo in Italy also uh, there is no problem with the uh, with the plants there is no problem with briar forest the problem is first of all having people going into the forest to harvest the wood. And the bigger, even bigger problem is having people working at sawmills or be willing to work at a sawmill and learn the business. It's not an easy thing to know. To know. It's dangerous. It's a little bit dirty. It's hard work. You have to be very focused while working in front of a saw blade that's spinning with 6,000 rotations per minute. Wow. Yeah, and unfortunately, you cannot take any precaution measures, you know, to watch out for your fingers with uh, iron gloves or anything like it, because uh, since prior is a bird, it's covered in mud, and if you have a combination of steel glove and mud, instead of holding the piece of wood that you are cutting in front of your sole, you are going to have it slipping from your fingers left and right, and it becomes even more difficult. Anyway, it's really, it's a nightmare. If you don't get used to the sight of the show spinning in front of you from a very young age, like I did, when you are 20, you don't really start doing this business. You've realized that there's more fun things to do besides this. Or maybe an easier thing to do? Easier things? Absolutely. Funnier things? Maybe. More creative things? I don't think so. Because although to the untrained eye, we might seem that we do over and over and over again the, the same things while working at the show, each and every piece of briar is unique. So you have, every time you pick up uh, a new piece of wood and you try to cut it and make it into something beautiful that the pipe carver will be able to work with and create a new pipe, it's a new challenge. So you never get bored. So if I understand it right, when the, when the burl is brought to the mill, the cutter's job is to cut this into the best pieces possible so they're making a jigsaw puzzle. They're they're disassembling mm -hmm. this in it and and creating a jigsaw puzzle out of it to be the best for the mill that as possible. Correct. That is correct. The the person who's cutting the wood, okay, is aiming for quality, not quantity, not specific sizes, quality. 
the wood itself is going to lead you on how it's going to be cut. You cannot force the wood. The wood will take you where it wants to be taken. I've got a bunch more questions for you, but I want to take a break right here. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> in fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back with Marcus. Marcus, tell me, was, is there an average kind of a, a on an average burl? How many how many ebushons or pieces will you get out of it? We are trying to have maybe five or six pieces. Five or six pieces is a really good number. And and that, and that includes yes. plateau pieces and center pieces. At the moment, we are lucky and fortunate enough to have the ability to produce plateau because we are working with forests that have very good quality of wood, minimum flows, nice grain, so we can produce plateaus. But we also produce lots of cross-cut and cross-grain pieces. So one person goes out into the forest digs up this burl in an environment that is not real wonderful to work in, and then carries it down the mountain. The cutter gets maybe five blocks from it. Is there a curing... Yes, we are lucky. Is there a curing process that you do to the wood that you cut? Oh, yes, absolutely. Actually, before the curing process comes the boiling. We have to boil the the ebusson anyway, the semi-finished pieces, we have to boil them for at least 13-14 hours inside clear water. No additives, no nothing. In order to take out the sap, the impurities and the residues from the pieces through osmosis and help have a better and cleaner end product. What you need is to take out the juice of the wood, which is going to give you a bitter taste if you smoke the pipe without doing that. Exchange this with water, and then and then let the blocks rest at least for a year so they can dry, and then we can start working with them. We or other pipe factories. 
So once you now you you've harvested, you cut it, boiled it, and now you have to sit there and hold on to it for a year before you before you can use it for your own pipes or you can sell it to another pipe factory. That is correct. And meanwhile, you've had to pay everybody to do their work all this time, and then when you sell it to the pipe in factory, cash. <laughs> in cash, those who work those who work at the forest do not give any terms to anybody. It's a cash-only business. Do the, they, uh, bring the wood. they bring the wood? We give them the money. And do the cutters get paid by piece that they produce, or the cutters are getting paid by the kilo? and weigh 2.2 pounds that they cut of raw material, not end product. Because if we, the factory, makes the mistake and choose a forest that has very poor quality of wood, it's not the woodcutter's fault that he won't be able to produce enough end pieces, enough ebusons or plateau. Okay. So traditionally, the woodcutter is getting paid by the kilo of the raw material of burr that he's cutting. And then I was surprised that you didn't say that you boiled the you boiled the blocks in you you just use plain water, you don't use any olive oil. <laughs> yes, actually around Patras we have plenty of olive trees and we produce lots of olive oil, but we'd rather eat it or export it instead <laughs> of using it for pipes. And besides, Alfred Dunhill did not serve his secret for oil curing. <laughs> do uh, do different mills have different secrets for for curing or for curing no. blocks? Okay. No, not for curing, not for curing. Maybe we have different ways of cutting the wood because we address our products to different clients. For example, a high key. Uh, Amadeus, in a way, here in, in Patras, where I work, uh, we were mostly orientated towards factories. Factories like Stanwell, factories like Fowen, factories like Design Berlin or Dr. Grebo in the States. So our way of cutting wood was orientated towards them. We were using crosscuts, we were producing Ebsons, this sort of stuff. Other factories cut the wood in a little bit different way because they are aiming for individual pipe carvers. Okay. So but, now you you did mention you mentioned Amadeus, which is the brand of pipes that your factory produces. Tell us a little bit about them because I I've seen them briefly at a couple of pipe shows. I've also seen that you're doing some really nice handwork stuff too. Try to. Well, Amadeus started maybe 25, 27 years ago, and it was an attempt to see how difficult it would be to try to create what our good clients were creating. We never tried to have inside competition, we never tried to cannibalize on our own market. What we try to do is use wood that our clients were not buying. Actually, it was a way to use the leftovers. Because I believe that you have noticed it yourself that 
trends come and go in the pipe smoking market uh, for extended periods of time you have people smoking small pipes maybe up to group three sized pipes all of a sudden you have people asking for big sized pieces maybe that's because pipe tobacco is changing and people's taste in pipe tobacco is changing so they need different pipes to smoke their pipe tobacco in so we were left with small pieces that we couldn't use for a very long period of time well these small pieces helped create amadeus pipes but since then we have come a long way and now we are producing affordable pipes at a very broad spectrum of shapes and sizes and it's all first quality wood that you're now setting aside specifically for Amadeus pipes. It's not absolutely, it's... absolutely. The smoking characteristics of the wood have no difference to from the the really high end and high, very expensive pieces to the board pipes that we might be able to to produce. They all smoke the same. They all smoke very well. So besides working in the in the pipe factory, working with the briar, what else do you do? What do you enjoy? Oh, first of all, I enjoy the culture of tobacco. I enjoy smoking. I enjoy smoking a pipe. I enjoy smoking an occasional cigar. I find it very relaxing, and it's my own way of meditation. I have a family. I have a wife. I have a small, young son who's a handful of trouble, aged three years old. <laughs> and my wife is going to give birth to our second child, a baby girl, early August. So we are expanding. So, so the business is growing at work and the, and the business is growing at home? Hopefully, yes. <laughs> How is the, uh, is, is the smoking culture still f- relatively free in Greece? Can you still smoke in a restaurant? You can smoke anywhere you like. Of course, we do have the same law that all European Union has about uh, not not being able to smoke in public uh, areas and public accessible places, but uh, nobody follows the rules. <laughs> I mean, nobody follows this specific rule. Uh, smoking in Greece is very deeply rooted in our culture. Maybe not pipe smoking so much, but the, the culture of tobacco is very strong. Some of the greatest cigarettes of the 20th century were Greek cigarettes. That is correct. That is correct. When Greek uh, cigarette uh, companies were still using Greek tobaccos, what we in the pipe uh, tobacco and pipe business and pipe smoking call oriental tobaccos, they were amazingly good cigars. But unfortunately, uh, this has changed and they use the generic kind of tobacco that all major international pipe companies, I'm sorry, cigarette companies use. And some of the some of the greatest Turkish varietals are actually grown in Greece. Yes, 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 yes. That is correct. In the the, the regions of uh, Drama, Katerini, and Yenice in Thrace. And, and Xanthi is the, Xanthi is the northern part of Greece. Yeah. So the 
the Turkish, the, some of the greatest Turkish tobaccos that we know are actually Greek tobaccos. And yes, that is correct. Uh, of course, in Turkey, you also have uh, very good tobaccos with uh, small leaves and very fragrant and everything. But uh, in Greece, yeah, we still maintain these trains of tobacco. And someday I hope to get to the tobacco country, and then I'll come down and visit you. Yeah, I would be more than happy to have you here. So with that, we'll wrap it up. This has been a wonderful visit, but I want to get the fast five final questions in for you. No right answers, no, no wrong answers, whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. What's your favorite pipe? A pipe that smokes well. What's your favorite tobacco? Uh, I know what my favorite kind of tobacco is. I'm a Virginia and Virginia Perik kind of guy. Right after my own heart. What's your favorite drink? Black coffee or iced tea. And where is your favorite place to smoke your pipe? Anywhere that I can, anytime that I can. And what's your favorite thing to do while you're smoking your pipe? Nothing. Just smoke the pipe. Absolutely nothing. Enjoy the moment. Marcus, thank you very much. If uh, Is there a website that we can send people to? I have created a blog to help people see what we do here in Greece. Uh, the blog is a cut above briar four, the digit four, dot blogspot.com. We'll make sure and pop that down in the bottom of the show so that if anybody wants to link right to it, they can go right there. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you... Uh, getting up real early for us. <laughs> oh, Well, who needs, who needs more than five and a half hours of sleep? And one last request for you. Please. In Greek, please say something to all the uh, Greek listeners. Oh, I'll be more than happy. Thank you very much for everyone who continues to be able σίγουρα θα πρέπει να κάνουμε περισσότερες προσπάθειες να παραμείνουμε ενωμένοι για να διατηρήσουμε τις ελευθερίες μας. And the last bad do joke you, I'll say is... Do you want to translate on this? Nope. But, but it sounded like it was all Greek to me. Oh, yeah. Marcus, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you. We'll be back in just a minute. Captain's Log, Stardate 4262013. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Engage. a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. 
fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Have you ever found one of those magic pipes where anything you smoke in it tastes great? Do you know what makes a pipe magic? It's the wood. All Amadeus pipes are made from Grecian briar and come direct from the four generations family-owned briar mill. We supply wood to many of the top brand name factories and even to world-renowned pipe artisans. Now you can experience our ultra-high-grade briar at factory direct prices. We're the briar mill and we're the pipe makers. We've got every size, shape, and finish you can imagine at the best prices possible. From 50 to 150 and they're worth twice that. Get an Amadeus pipe now. They're magic and affordable. Welcome back. You know, after 15, 16 years in the hobby, I'm still learning new stuff. I mean, you think about it. The guy out in the briar forest harvests the burl, brings the burl to the cutter where the cutter cuts it. Then the, it sits there for a year or so after being boiled out. Then the blocks go to the pipe maker, the pipe factory. By the time the pipe gets to you, imagine how many hands that piece of wood's traveled through, how much time has gone by, and... Uh, how many miles are on that block? So, Anyway, for music, uh, going back to Morton Gould, pipe-smoking, uh, band leader, classical composer. However, I found a piece that works out perfect because one of my favorite things to do in Las Vegas is to watch the sunrise in the desert. And in particular, my hotel room looks out over a... Uh, area called Red Rock Canyon, which is just this gorgeous landscape. If you think about uh, think about the most hardened, bright red and multicolored landscape you can think of, that's exactly what Red Rock Canyon is. You can see it out in the distance if you have a western view in Las Vegas. But anyway, this is uh, Morton Gould conducting the uh, his orchestra doing Grofet's Grand Canyon Suite, and this is Sunrise.
that piece of music also has a special spot in my heart because I heard it every day when I worked on the Disneyland Railroad. It was the music that they used in the uh, Grand Canyon diorama and uh, perfectly fits it. Beautiful piece. Goes on uh, for another 20 minutes or so with different days, a different time of the day of the Grand Canyon, different seasons. So check out Grofay. You've got some mail. Well, no, not really, because I've been uh, tied up doing the trade show, but please keep posting those comments and feedbacks for us on iTunes, and please post any comments or suggestions or ideas that you have on the Pipes Magazine radio show forum at pipesmagazine.com. In this section, though, I do want to cover one thing that I notice in particular about the cigar industry. The cigar industry is all about bigger is better. There are companies now coming out with 72 ring gauge cigars. That's over an inch wide. That big of a cigar just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, the other thing is it's all flash and packaging. There's a lot of flashy packaging. Everybody's box has got to be bigger and brighter and fancier and flashier than the other person's box. If they would just focus on making really good cigars, and what happened to a really good medium-bodied, full-of-flavor Corona. No, everything now is big, intense, and flashy packaging. So, there you go. That's uh, my review of the cigar industry. That's what I think. Rant time in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutlifTobacco.com. Go to SutlifTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Cowboy. Cowboy. The middle of the summer is uh, high tourist season in Las Vegas. It's not high brow tourist season, it's high tourist season in Las Vegas. This is when you get a lot of bus trips, a lot of bus tour groups, a lot of families, a lot of tourists that aren't exactly into the gambling and the high life that goes on in Las Vegas. And keep in mind, the seven days that I'm there, I am only interested in getting to the convention center floor, doing my business getting back, getting some rest, getting something to eat, and getting in and out as quick as possible. Meanwhile, I'm having to dodge through the casinos these people that have turned into moths. They are moths, and they aim towards the next shiny thing, and they fly right towards that, and they run right into that, and they don't care what's in their path. They will run right over you to go look at that next new shiny thing. This happens all the time as I'm trying to navigate my way through two casinos to get back and forth to the convention center floor or try to get to dinner, try to keep on my schedule. 
and meanwhile I'm having to navigate these people that have completely lost all of their minds. All they're doing is staring at the next brightest thing, and that's what they want to go look at. So I'm having to deal in this whole world of moths. Uh, the one thing that I will say about high tourist season in Las Vegas, yeah, it's hot. It's hot and you see some clothing combinations. Now I know this from the past that you, <laughs> I will see some clothing combinations that just make me go, wow, what were you thinking? But apparently they weren't thinking much because they're just like moths. So they flew towards the next brightest thing in their hotel room. Uh, the other thing is that uh, every time I go to Las Vegas, inevitably I see somebody that absolutely loses their mind because they think Las Vegas is just footloose, fancy free, and wild time. And uh, yeah, getting up early in the morning like I do on the first couple of mornings because I don't really time adjust real well. You tend to see people that are just now going to bed and that's quite a sight. So uh, I recommend it to y'all. Sometimes if you get to Vegas, get to bed early. Get up early, you'll be nice and wide awake, and you get to see a show of uh, people that have been up way too long, drinking way too much. So, there you have it. That's the show. Hey, keep leave, keep leaving those iTunes reviews for us. We appreciate that. Post any comments you got on the, on the forums. I appreciate all those. I do read them all. Next week, back to the normal schedule. Can't wait to be home and rested up, and I'll fill you all in on exactly how the IPCPR, formerly known as the RTDA, went. And I will say thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny Surgeon's General Warning. Celebrity voices are impersonated.